which is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Kane, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Patrick Green, Christian Motzka, Andy Geek Girl, Maj, Perry Chicos, Matt John. Returning guest, Matt John, thank you so much for being on the call. We have another guest. Actually, before we introduce this other guest, Xander in the house is waiting in the wings in our chat room. Welcome, Xander. Um, welcome, everyone, to a very exciting uh, episode, our biggest roundtable we've, we've, we've ever hosted. And I'm going to turn it over to Patrick, and then we'll get going on uh, everything else, and we'll intro our special guest. Yeah, we got patrons coming out of the walls right now, everybody. So uh, we want to take a quick moment to read some special names before we get going. And then we're going to hand it off and meet Derek, who many, uh, probably all of you already know, but might not be aware of it at this point, because his content has been a, a you know a beacon in fandom for a long time. But before we get to Derek, I want to do a special shout out to all of our patrons who have joined uh, starting in May, which is Will Howe, Ian Aiello, Zan, Weed. Krista Brown, Damian A. Thorne, and as of today at 5.50 a.m., Dino. So thank you to all of our patrons. If you want to join them, go to perfectorganism.com slash support. We are already cooking stuff up for next year. We're getting excited about it, and it, your support means a lot. So without further ado, uh, I'll hand it back to Jamie. Again, welcome to the show. Uh, I'd like to intro introduce our special guest, Derek from Alien Theory. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hello, it's great to be here. I'm such a big fan of per Perfect Organism, like the podcast, the audio dramas, the short film, the transmission short film. It is. It's all great. And this is a cool kind of almost like a backstage pass to see behind the scenes and how everything works. It's, it's pretty crowded here, though. It is fairly crowded and it's great this is again this is the the largest roundtable that we've ever hosted yeah. um we're here tonight to talk about some romulus news some of that is a lot of the news that we've dropped uh but there's also a lot of news circulating there's been in the last month and a half or so there's been auditions that have leaked um and with those auditions some story beats um we're here to talk about that to speculate uh what's coming uh what we want uh perhaps what we're maybe intimidated by some challenges, some concerns, some fears, all of that stuff. But before we get into that, uh, Derek, can you kind of tell us your story a little bit? How did you get involved with fandom? And then how did alien theory come about? Oh yeah. I've always been a fan probably ever since I was a little kid first seeing alien three, uh, when I was maybe five years old, I remember I had it on a VHS tape. I taped home alone Two. And right after Home Alone 2, very appropriately, was uh, Alien 3. So 
great movie for kids to watch. And I don't know that that really captured. I love monsters and stuff like that. And I don't know, there was something specifically about that monster, the xenomorph that, that kind of kept me interested. And over the years, I, I saw the additional films in the series and it had always been something in the back of my mind. Uh, but then finally making that push to, to YouTube, you know, you kind of see everything, all these kind of fan speculation, theory, explanation videos. You'd see a, a million of them for like Star Wars, uh, but you wouldn't really see too many on YouTube for Alien. And that was something that I really wanted to see. And I thought, well, I, I think I know enough and I can learn the rest on the way. Uh, so that's that's how Alien Theory got started in uh, uh, late 2016 and been going pretty strong ever since. That's awesome. So uh, let me ask you, of okay, so we have, you know, I'm going to take Alien Resurrection out of the equation. Of the original trilogy and the prequel films, do you have a favorite? Uh, what film is do you find yourself discussing the most on your channel? Or maybe not even discussing the most, but pivoting to in terms of something that you love out of all of the five canonical films? Why would you take Alien Resurrection out of the equation? Well, I'm just taking it out of the equation because <laughs> I, I don't feel like it, it connects to the first three or the prequels. You know, it's like this, okay. this <laughs> odd man out or odd woman out or whatever. Well, Alien and Aliens, I mean, it's so neck and neck for me. Um, I, I I always want to give the the cheat answer, say, I like both equally, but differently. And I'm, I don't know, uh, at a certain amount of time, or at a certain point in time, you have to, I'd say, make a choice, say, which one do I definitively like better? I would say if you twisted my arm, I say Alien is the best. That is the one that I go back to. It is kind of the one that planted the flag. There's still Perry loves that. Patrick loves that. We're team Alien over yeah. here. <laughs> Nothing against Aliens, which is is a, a incredible film, obviously. But again, if you had to twist my arm. Uh, it's alien. It's the Ridley Scott original. That's awesome. I like it a lot. <laughs> I also yeah, like that your your earliest alien experience was Alien Three, and I also like yes. Home Alone Two being a part of it because it's <laughs> just taking me back to 1993 right now, and uh, it's a great place to go back to. So I, I guess to kind of pivot into tonight's conversation, this was something that I know Jamie had mentioned partly because we've had we've seen such a huge uptake in people sharing news that we've been putting out about this and it just feels like it's kind of in the zeitgeist so we actually had had a different episode planned for tonight and then about a week ago we decided to kind of pivot and catch the crest of this little news moment and try to talk about where things are at because we're getting more now as we all know the film has already been shooting for quite a while in budapest and it is slated to be finishing production in the next few weeks christian has been doing some great sleuthing work on instagram is looking in the background for garbage cans and things to see what <laughs> if people are still on film sets and it looks like they're still on set so we think that there's probably another couple weeks of filming originally they had said it was going to wrap by mid-june so uh it, it got a late start but seems to be tracking well and you know, stuff is coming out people are kind of uh you know mysterious we had a couple of things on alien day that tantalized us including the first set photo maybe or some photo that fede did as a short video Anyway, lots going on. Uh, Jamie, you want to kind of get us into this conversation? Like, how do you want to, how do you want to approach it? Well, I'll, I'll first say that Perfect Organism as a, as a podcast, as whatever kind of organization that we are, um, we have dropped some news over the course of the last six weeks. Um, news that has been shared with us from people 
I, that's all that I can say, all that we can say. We can't give up our sources as most people don't usually give up their sources because what does that do? It then puts your source in jeopardy. So oftentimes you see news dropped. Um, you'll see people like, who is the source? Where's the source? I call bullshit or whatever, or clickbait or whatever. But usually, or typically for us, we don't share anything nonchalantly as I've written um, in some of the posts or as in a comment in some of the posts. So the news that has come that has come to us is really come from people that we really trust. And it's not like uh, a, a whisper that we're hearing here or a rumor that we're hearing there. The, this news is coming from people who are ostensibly on the production. That's all that I can say. So are we a hundred percent correct? We don't know. We'll see, but we feel confident. I feel confident enough uh, with the news that we've received to share it publicly. Uh, so I just kind of want to preface that, but what do we know? We know that it's set between alien and aliens, which I'd love to hear what people think about that. We know that it's, perhaps getting an, a theatrical release. It was slated just for Hulu and streaming. I think things have changed from what I've been told, from what we've been told. Um, and there's uh, there's also other news. So I, I would, uh, I guess, pose the first question, what does everyone think about the timeline of Romulus, which we know is not the final title, being set between the world or the, the events of Alien and Aliens? And I think we can kind of go from there, if that's cool for, with you, Christian and Patrick. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a quick stab at it. I think it's really interesting because a few years ago, the time between Alien and Aliens was actually uncomfortably crowded. It became a favorite spot. We had two video games, at least three Dark Horse comic series, and uh, two Titan novels all set in this in this little short span, usually involving the same characters. And we're still kind of feeling the after effects of that because people fell in love with some of those characters and don't want to let them go and don't want to let them age, which is a bit of a problem. But the movies will always be separate from the expanded universe. And I think that both the the um, the books and the comics and this movie are coming from the same place of being inspired by Alien Isolation, which was the first one to definitively say, let's explore that territory, that time period. And so I'm actually happy to let certain things go the, the Brian Wood Aliens comic books. Everyone loves Defiance. I understand that. The art was great. The story is not good. It gets worse as it goes. And then the things that he did after that. And it just kind of led to a, a huge pileup. And every time a new story was added to this, it complicated the simplicity of the Alien-Aliens connection. And so that's what I'm a little worried about with this new film. I think that it's going to... I think I think that Fede has a good idea. And I'm very trusting in that. But... We are still treading in that space of when you fill in a gap between two established pieces, you do run the risk of making the, the second half that was already shot decades ago. If you're not careful, you're going to you're going to trample on something. So that's my little my little concern. Um, I'm going to jump in real quick, though. I'm afraid because I don't want to cut anyone off uh, too polite and Canadian over here. Um, I guess with the timeline, the, the major thing that comes up for me is like, why? Right. Like it's why are you choosing that? Like there has to be a specific narrative reason, right? Otherwise as a storyteller, if I was doing pastiche and trying to jump into this sandbox, I would be reluctant to jump into those periods. I'd rather go after, right. Or even, even before. Um, so I guess my question is, 
what is the connective tissue he's going to have to the other movies? That's that's the question. And and so I can't really uh, I can't really answer exactly. Am I excited about this timeline or not? I kind of just need to know what the angle is before I could really say. This is purely just a feeling, so I can't wait to later look back and just be like, wow, I can't believe how wrong I was. But the feeling that I get is that this is I am. All right. I'm just I just want to preface yet again, completely conjecture, my opinion, just what I'm feeling at the moment. I get the impression that less so actually than it being oh there's there's a there's a nugget here there's like an there's a there's an um an in for a story i see because of um the time period what could have transpired then more i think it has to do with aesthetics and just being like i want this to be like how many of how many people conceive this world and to maybe it's just i think a sweet spot that's my guess and then the um and i hope that is kind of the the main motivation and that anything that ties to the movies is you know neat and nice and we can all feel good about it and be like ah this this uh this fits in perfectly but it's not um as much uh but but it'll still be kind of like prey like standalone yeah my i i'm actually kind of excited about this because i think sandwiching it in between the two kind of forces it be more streamlined and simple they can't overcomplicate it because then like like christian was saying then it's gonna like affect you know post and like it's going to overcomplicate aliens right there's a book in there so i think i'm kind of excited about that because i think alien is at its best when the story is simple and it's relying on the characters and if they try to add all of these elements to it i think it's just going to do a disservice so i'm kind of excited that it kind of sandwiched itself in like that that's my that's my hope anyway i think one big question is are they going to make the bold move that a lot of people are speculating on uh are they going to have amanda ripley in it are they really going to do that I, i hear a lot of people theorizing that i don't know but it would somewhat make sense if they were to have a Ripley character in that timeline. I mean, if not, yeah, they can do the singular prey standalone thing. It's a very safe move in a lot of ways, because I think none of these movies, even the extended universe to an extent, uh, most of them, they don't really want to acknowledge Alien 3 either, but they also don't want to do the Neil Blomkamp thing, ax it out completely. So they do want to play it safe, at least with this one, and kind of keep to this pretty healthy 57 years, uh, a good playground, um, but to what purpose? I think that might pay off if they do the beloved character, Amanda Ripley. Um, but uh, if, if not, then yeah, it could be another kind of singular non uh connected movie which 
could work, could not. Um, I, I don't I know. Take a- I'd like to see it, but I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'll jump in really quick. And if it's cool, I'll just, uh, Xander, I want to get your points in here. Um, cause I think they're great and they go great after what Derek just said. Um, but Xander had first said the setting is interesting. I would have preferred a post alien three, but if it aims to tie the prequels to the originals, it makes sense. Totally agree with Christian. Um, the EU had overcrowded that setting a few years ago. My main question, is this going to make isolation canon officially? And then Xander went on to say, I think Derek's video phrased it best. It's better than just being a prequel. It still gives room for mystery of not being a direct prequel and have it sandwich in between movies. And so I think that's a great point. I... Uh, myself was a beloved player of isolation. I played it several times as, um, you guys all know. And, and Patrick, I know you played it like 200 times. Um, but, uh, it would be interesting if they were to make a canon or as we've seen, there might already be some influence, um, in there. And I, it just makes me really excited. Like, obviously I'm really excited to see what Fede, uh has come up with and and what he's aiming at giving us uh as far as the story but i'm a huge believer in like less is more right so like it doesn't i know there are ways to like not recreate alien again but at every film in in a sense is sort of there are a lot of tropes right that are taken from the original film um but i i think there's like you guys have kind of said, like there's a lot of years in between uh, the films there that we can see, you know, is that can there be an isolated uh, situation that they give us that might not touch on or connect to anything really. That could also be really exciting. What's exciting to me about that is it's like, do we get another peek at the company and what they tried to do after what happened on the Nostromo um, on LV-426 within that gap of 57 years, did were they trying to do something else? And it'd be cool to see um, if they don't tie it to isolation, cool. But if we still get a peek into that, what that isolated story is, great. If they do connect it to isolation... I'm a huge fan of that. That would be great to see as well, you know? Yeah, I think we are once again getting Christian Matska's patented Warshak test uh, treatment tonight because we're all reading into this, you know, what we what we want to and what we see in it. And I had a, a little bit of a revelation. It wasn't a revelation because I already felt this way. I'm going to walk that comment back. But it was a reinforcement <laughs> of an opinion that I already had. Uh, I was playing Alien Isolation on Sunday because the, although the game came out a decade ago, I, I just I've never stopped playing it. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's amazing. And uh, and we got to the point where although she's on the Sevastopol, right, she walks into a room that is the mother control room on the Sevastopol, although you can also do the mother control room on the, on the Nostromo. And she opens the terminal up and it says special order nine, three, nine. So literally, it's the same like three things. It even ends with something about all of the priorities being rescinded. It just slightly rephrases it. And in that moment, the first number of times that I played that moment, I I really loved it. And this time I was kind of like, I think that's why, although I obviously have devoted a lot of my time to this video game, it's not one of my favorite games ever made. And I think it's because it's too slavish to the original film. 
and it takes the things that it does so well aesthetically and in terms of giving, you know, it's it's an, it's a masterpiece. We've talked about that ad nauseum, but it is really closely tied almost sometimes to the point of being a facsimile of Alien. And I think that hurts it a little bit in terms of its own story. Going into, into Romulus or whatever it's going to be called, we know a few things that already contradict each other, right? We know from early indications that this will not involve the Ellen Ripley story arc. A good way to follow up that is now we know it's going to take place while she's in cryo. So like clearly, unless it's just you know an image of her sleeping for two hours, it's not going to be an Ellen Ripley story. But now we also know via our source that it does tie to the original trilogy and it ties to the prequels. And so that leads to this question of, well, in what way, right? Um, so we really don't know at this point. I also agree that the Brian Wood era got old real quick for me. Um, I think that obviously Tristan did an amazing job with the artwork. And I think that's a major reason why there's been staying power. I think Zula Hendricks was a really cool character who similarly got overplayed quite a bit. And by the time, is it Resistance was the third trilogy, the third four set that came out? Resistance, yeah. Thanks, Christian. Um, I was like checked out and I, I I was complaining about it nonstop in our chat thread at the time. I was like taking pictures of panels and be like, this doesn't make any sense because I was tired of it, you know, and I was just tired of getting the same two extra characters just shoved down our throats and novels and tie-ins and blah, blah, blah. So what I'm hoping is that this does not involve any of that shit. I'm also aware that that's a much more hard thing to sell to a studio, and it's a much more hard thing to sell to a network, and it's a much harder thing to get butts in theater seats for. But Prey did it, as many people have already mentioned in this context, and they've done a be- and Prey was beautiful. It was disconnected, and yet it felt liberated by being so. My personal feelings are: I really hope that this is just different. It's just a new story, and it doesn't have to like contradict anything. It doesn't have to slot in perfectly in all the labyrinthine ways that we expect things to. Just give us a really good alien story, Jamie. What, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm tracking on that, and I, I I in terms of the set the setting between Alien and Aliens, I think that is a sweet spot. There's 57 years. There's a lot of story potential there in terms of what was going on in LV426 before, who knew what, who was it uh, colonized by, what the company was doing. There's so much there that they can play with uh, while Ellen Ripley is in cryo and we're kind of detached from that story. I think my concerns or my fears are that the protagonist is her is Ellen Ripley's niece or something bullshit like that. We don't need that. This fandom isn't Star Wars fandom. We don't need these these ties, these like little like, oh, they said Ash's name. Like I I don't need that. Like I need a good story. And I, I think Alien at its heart, as you guys have heard me say ad nauseum, are the characters. And I think there's a way for them to do an andor, which is to tie this film into existing events in a way that feels organic and not shoehorned and not fan servicey and not just poorly written. And so I think despite my trust and faith in Fede Alvarez, I'm, I am still cautious about how they're going to connect to these existing events and whether those it's going to be very ham fisted and very like, look, we're winking at you. We're nodding at you. And the, Alien fandom is, in my opinion, it's we get it. Like we, this is this is not traditional sci-fi. This is not again Star Wars. This is something fairly elevated, and uh, in large part because the first film was elevated sci-fi, as was Cameron, as was Fincher, and even the prequels. Whether they work or not, 
it's elevated sci-fi and i think romulus or whatever they're going to call it has to be elevated sci-fi they can't pander to nostalgia baiting tying into ripley or and and even in terms of like what we're seeing now there's the book about bishop that's coming out there's the vasquez book and essentially fandom's kind of rolling their eyes at that because how long are they going to dance around the same era in 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 these like in this film world like it's this cow is dry the milk is dry in my opinion and i think romulus has this chance to be its own thing while also connecting beautifully to the events of sort of the past slash future so that's kind of where i'm at right now also i don't want amanda ripley in it at all i don't we don't need another ripley we don't all amanda ripley was in 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 uh isolation was the ability for us to call a character Ripley so we could feel something uh, familiar. We don't need that. We don't need any form of Ripley in the story, the new, the new story, whatever it's going to be. I just wanted to jump in uh, thinking about Fede's previous work and the fact that he sort of remade, rebooted, continued Evil Dead. What do you, I mean, I'm a pretty, pretty big-ish Evil Dead fan. Um, I liked his film. Did, can anyone else speak to the fact, like, did you find that was an incredibly pandering film or do you think he splintered off in the right ways? Like... Was the fan service from that good, in your opinion? Yeah, I'd say nostalgia wasn't a chief concern of his, which is, uh, it bodes well. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's what I'm wondering is because, yes, that movie has a chainsaw, um, but I mean, tonally, it's not even close to the first film in Evil Dead. Like, it is, it's pretty pitch black, the, uh, the remake, the 2000, whatever it was. Um, so... I feel somewhat confident that that's not going to be the issue. Um, and even his Texas Chainsaw Massacre piece that he produced, which was not great, um, it didn't feel like a total rehash of the the original film. So I don't know. I'm fairly, uh, I'm fairly, I'm given the benefit of the doubt that it's not going to be, you know, Disney Plus level of of fan pleasing, right? Fan service. Which yeah, I, yeah, it, it it is it is it's wearying, man. Mm. And I think and I think that's the general consensus in nerddom is like, all right, you got to pump the brakes a little bit on this shit because it's I'm rolling my eyes and I'm one of the guys who likes everything. <laughs> Not me. I'm <laughs> quoting somebody else. Sorry. His Evil Dead was pretty brutal. It, it, was. it was very brutal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan too, um, and a Canadian too, Matt. Uh, so from one Canadian to another, <laughs> cheers. Um, but yeah, I, I remember following that uh, 2013 film and kind of talking up Fede Alvarez quite a bit. Uh, he had done nothing uh, previous to Evil Dead except uh, a short film, uh, Panic Attack, which was made for like a couple of thousand dollars, but it looked like something out of Hollywood. Uh, so, hey, let's take a guy who can make a great looking movie, look as if, as if it has a huge budget uh, with 
comparatively less, which is kind of a tradition. Uh, and at least some of the alien movies, like obviously aliens, it's, you know, $30 million movie looks like a $50 million movie. Um, even, I mean, no accounting for taste, but aliens versus predator requiem, very small budget with guys who had their visual effects background who, who made it for pretty cheap. Um, but the thing about evil dead is that it, it is absolutely a B movie. Uh, it's, it's the ultimate B movie. And what Alvarez did was take that concept, make it serious, which is kind of a, an interesting thing. Uh, still keeping some of the tropes that we saw, but then when we kind of look back to alien, that's literally kind of what Ridley Scott did. He took the B movie, he made it serious, glossed over. So I, you know, I have confidence uh, in Alvarez. Uh, plot can go any number of ways, uh, but if we're looking strictly at style, ability, uh, I, I, I'm going to remain pretty, pretty hopeful. Just to jump in on that point, because I think it's a really good one. And I love that we have this case study, Matt. That's, that's a great thing to bring up because we do have an example of Fede Alvarez coming into an established, beloved franchise and doing something very tonally different with it. Um, something about Gareth Edwards reminds me of Fede Alvarez a little bit. And I think it's because they both started with like extremely low budget effects, heavy shorts that got picked up. And then in the case of, of Gareth Edwards, it was monsters. The movie that he did in 2010, great movie made for like $6 with, you know, with nothing in, in his spare bedroom, you know, uh, and then went on to do to me, like the most beautifully divergent, probably my favorite star Wars movie, which is rogue one. Um, which of course laid the blueprint for for Andor and for exactly what we're talking about tonight, which is how to treat something with respect but take it in new directions. And similarly, you have Fede Alvarez, who cut his teeth with low budget, really interesting filmmaking, went on to get this very prestigious job in Hollywood to do Evil Dead, which I'm similarly a big fan of. I have to, <clears throat> you know, pull my Evil Dead card and say my wife did star in Evil Dead the musical twice in two separate productions, including once a week after she gave birth. So that's kind of my, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, throw my weight around. Um, gave birth to what, Patrick? Gave birth to what? But, you know, we do love Evil Dead in this household too. And and I think that what Alvarez did with it was amazing and really fucked up. And I love that. I love that he got this license, you know, and and was very, very avant-garde with it. And, and, and you see that with Evil Dead fans, a lot of Evil Dead fandom has embraced that movie as opposed to something like The Thing, which, you know, of course, had a film come out around the same time and has, mm. has been kind of forgotten about. I feel like Alvarez's movie really laid the blueprint for the one that just came out uh, like earlier in mm -hmm. the year, Rise, right? And anyway, I think that he, we are in good hands and it's easy to forget that because we don't get very much information and it's kind of drips and drabs and we start getting our fears out there. But I do think that you're absolutely right, Derek and Matt and others who are mentioning this, that we have a case study in this already from the guy who's making this movie. And he's showing us that he's not afraid to do difficult things with beloved franchises in the name of creating art out of them. And that's what we want. It's interesting though, that like his evil dead was kind of like a late addition to these late two thousands gritty remakes of horror movies like you know i think it's platinum dunes is that the production company where you have like the jackie earl haley freddy movie and the you know the texas chainsaw massacre etc um where it's like a gritty take and now that's not the the um i don't know the 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 dish of the day or whatever i just coined that so you can take that that's that's for free 
but the now it's i wonder if he is facing any pressure to like uh but regardless i'm still very excited and not worried and i do think yeah it's um for all the reasons we've listed he's probably the man for the job so fingers crossed Maj, you had a question uh earlier that i Did paused I? you on um about you're oh, talking yeah. about like isolation and amanda ripley can you restate that question that maybe we can all talk oh. about I think you guys mostly answered it just asking if that was of interest to anybody um to see that but i i'm guessing not that <laughs> we want to see something a little more separated my problem with it is unless their intention is to make alien isolation the movie which i don't believe they would you're you're going to negate the very thing that you're supposed to be upholding and saying oh, look isn't this wonderful by having amanda ripley in this unless it's a sequel and and what movie is a sequel to a video game that doesn't make any sense there's there's no way to take the video game character put her in a movie and not just mess things up even more and in the end i love alien isolation but i don't need ellen ripley's daughter to have had more experience more adventures more a higher death count than her it's a it's a very very mm. weird idea and that's where that steamroller that we're still seeing today of no, no, no. Amanda Ripley isn't actually dead. Amanda Ripley's in cryo, all this. Uh, you're, you're actually taking away from Ellen Ripley. Every time they do that, let them have their own little adventure. It's okay. So no, I don't want to see Amanda Ripley in it. Um, as far as no, I'm just, I don't want to see Amanda Ripley in this movie. Amen. I, I, I concur. I think, like you said, it is the the original is ultimately Ripley's story, and then you know the fact that we know the timeline of this. Um, I just I'm looking for something new, you know. Maybe somebody who doesn't have a brunette pixie cut either, who's I, I don't know. Like, give us a different. <laughs> just give us somebody different, you know. It doesn't have to be a a woman who's got the short hair with the. I don't know. And that's fine if it is, but I I just something that doesn't have to tie in. I, I the, what what ha, what should tie it in is the timeline itself. Are these creatures, mm -hmm. right? That should be the connection. I don't need because there's a vast world. It's like it's just like t rehashing Skywalkers endlessly when you have an entire galaxy or universe of characters that you can explore um and i just i want to leave ripley alone i'm with you on that I, I think even just to patrick's point right like if we return to isolation and i love isolation but what are you returning to it is it is a facsimile of of alien so other than the character's name and you know it's a cool story and i agree with um Xander in the chat who who would like an Easter egg or something to sort of drop that continuity in there. But no, I don't, I don't want to explore. My biggest fear is that alien fans, the, the bar is set so high by those first two films. And for me, I, you know, I, I really like all of them except for resurrection. Um, but I'm afraid that alien fans aren't going to accept anything that isn't a goddamn masterpiece. I don't mean everybody. I just mean like the general public and the lay person is like, those movies are monumental, right? Those first two films. And so I don't really want something that hitches its wagon to the Ripley situation. Similarly, I don't want the, the Skywalker thing. Like just, 
you know, I don't even want Jedi's in my stuff. (laughs) So let's just step away, pivot, make it different. And it's been so long from even the last installments, really, that like I, I feel like again, this is just my feeling that that it, um, it slotting in is really the appeasement, and the rest is that's the means. Like I, I hope, and I have a feeling that the that the way it ties into these movies will be happening on the periphery of the story itself. Like it'll, it, it won't be, um you know, cause and effect sort of what happens in this movie leads to something. So, or at least that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I feel like that would a little restraint, you know, and just, you know, it's easy to build it into the universe and, and, and do that. So I also think that the more that we get misses like the prequels for all intents and purposes, this is as much as we might like things about them or chunks of them uh, there, they weren't exactly successful. And what happens is every time that happens, every time there's a misfire, it makes it harder to please the fans because people are become raging and they're like, no, this is ridiculous. I mean, there's a subset of fans who every time they hear about an alien film, they say throw on Marines. Like there is a subset of fans that's that want colonial Marines at every opportunity. Um, and if you look at the couple of games that, well, uh, fire team elite that came out last year or the year before, I can't remember. And then we have descent dark descent coming out this year. What are they? They're, colonial marines shooting up aliens like for me in my opinion maybe as a game that would be fun i don't ever want to see a fucking colonial marine in an alien movie again like alien is aliens is so special because of it and i don't want to see them repeat that like that is not the 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 recipe for success in my opinion um and i also think that pandering to fans is when filmmakers take the lowest, like they take the low road, when you take the low road, you pander to fans, you you give them everything that they want to. I think what's going to make uh, Romulus really good is if they dare to take a risk, but it's coming also out of a company that doesn't like to take risks. Although prey is an exception. Prey was a risk. Prey, they completely took us out of our element and made it this kind of elemental primordial story. And everyone loved it. Despite a lot of, people yelling, oh, it's too woke in the beginning because obviously it featured a young woman in in the starring role. Um, But aside from that, Disney is a company that is idly deep in remakes, reboots. I mean, that's all they do. I mean, Pixar is probably the only studio within their system that releases original story. Disney doesn't really release original stories anymore. So there's the, the, there's the, the, um, uh, at least for me, there's, I, I'm nervous about that, but at the same time, pray, we have pray and pray has shown Disney that they can take a risk, that a risk is worth taking. So I do believe that we are in good hands, but I am also still worried. There is a part of me that's worried because there's been, as Andy said, in one of our last episodes, there's been more failures and there has been successes at this point. So I think the failure, like the failure door is the larger door right now that everyone's scared that's going to open on its own. I, I, I'm confident that it's, or I'm hopeful that it's not going to be a failure at the same time. These are hard films to get right. These are really hard films to get right, to, to get the characters right, to get, I mean, I, I think it's going to look good. We all know that like the prequels looked amazing. You know, I've never, uh, aside from alien Prometheus is one of the most gorgeous films within the saga that I've ever seen. Covenant, not so much, but Kevin had some great stuff going on. 
you know so I, I don't know it's I'm nervous but I'm excited like I equally both at the moment So we're all like Ripley outside Hadley's Hope, <laughs> nervous to walk in, but <laughs> anticip in anticipation. I think so. I think we're all just a little we're we're trepidatious with good reason, but I think I think all of us here are hopeful as well. I, I think based on what we've been saying. So I feel like this I think was I lean more toward hope than I'm leaning toward optimism, and that's rare for me. So there you go. Yeah, I, I'm trying to do. I, I guess it's the, the communities are, is just in that interesting place. It's the post covenant situation. It's been many years. Like, I, I think I said this the last time we met, and it's that if this movie is good, if this movie is a, a six, if it's a seven out of 10, right? Looks good, sounds good, actors aren't insulting, script isn't absolutely insulting, and it's just a romp, and maybe it phone, I don't want to say phones in, but. Maybe it's uh, it relies on past successes and, and it does that thing. I'm still okay with that. I don't know if everyone else is still okay with that because, like I said, there's certain high expectations. Or and also, as was said, there's this death by a thousand cuts situation, the slow degradation of of um, you know what people want. But also, I don't know. So I'm nervous more so for. Um, everyone else's sort of um, reception. Not so much about mine. As long as this isn't a steaming pile of shit, I'm going to be like, all right, what's the next one? Let's go. But maybe I'm an optimist. I don't know. So we, we've all kind of said what our, our fears are, but we have some specific things that we can, we can hone in on. For example, in the audition tapes, there is this reference to a floating ship. Okay. And now that we have an idea of the time frame that this is in, I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. What's the floating ship? This this kind of rules out the the, um, the Sulaco, obviously. So, Derek, do you have an opinion about that? Well, I haven't seen these auditions. Um, no, I know, I know. I I am uh, in the dark about a lot of things. I try to keep it that way, unless there's something really, really tantalizing. Um, but a floating ship? I don't know. A ghost ship? The Event Horizon? Maybe? I don't, I don't know. What if it's the Covenant, though? Whoa. It's, it's probably Absolutely. a piece of the Nostromo. Absolutely. I would I bet. Think about I, bet I bet it's a piece of the Nostromo. It has to be. That, that ship exploded three times. We, <laughs> yeah, that ship blew <laughs> the fuck up. <laughs> Whereas the Covenant is still just floating out there, as, as I suggested last year. Sure. And it has all the alien... Um, Yes. Babies in it. It's got to be the covenant then. Actually, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Whoa. My mind's just been blown. That's actually, wow. So yeah. That would be that pretty, makes complete yeah. sense. I'd be into it. What if I would love, yep. I would love it to be. We have this, we have the source telling us that it ties both the original trilogy and the, the prequels. I want, I want it to be the covenant just to, to wrap up that, that storyline. No David, but just the storyline. And then to tie it to the sequels, all I want it to be is that James Cameron style Wayne Tani logo that we saw on the wall <laughs> in the in the teaser image. And that's it. Nothing else. Guys, if so David if steps out of the covenant and offers to do the fingering, I'm so fucking in. 
Like I, I want it. I want David to come back. I don't give a shit when it is, but if it happens during this, I'm there. I'm also zipping. It would be interesting if it is the covenant, if they find Daniels in Tennessee and they make an appearance in this film and nobody knows about it. I wouldn't, that would be an interesting connection where they're kind of finishing the story. I said this in an episode probably a year or so ago. I don't know if it was just myself, Patrick and Christian, but I think, and with with uh, Ridley Scott's involvement in this, I can't see them not sort of ending that prequel story a little bit in, in maybe a subtle way. And a way to end that prequel story is to find that Covenant ship and for them to be exploring that ship. And in that exploration, something goes awry. And it's completely set up. They have all of those uh, tongueless in cryosleep. They have the, the embryos. Yeah, you know, the alien embryos in their little shelves, in their little drawers, like it is ripe for a really horrific story. I mean, yeah. And then again, then there's, is, is David on that ship? Is Daniel's on that ship? Is Tennessee on the ship? What happened to them? It could be kind of a, a version of, instead of going in an alien derelict, they're going in a human derelict and they're finding human remains. That could be an interesting spin. And as we saw in Covenant, people that survived previous films don't always look like they did. We could have a horrific version of Tennessee, a horrific, horrific version of David. Even I think I actually pitched this last year. I called it the ghost ship. I said they should, they should just be this ship floating through space. Mm-hmm. None of the characters return, but it's a source for the alien, which personally, I don't want a source for the alien. I would love it if Romulus had an alien that did not come from any, not from LB-426, not from David's laboratory. There simply are aliens in the galaxy. That would be the best possible scenario for me. But I understand, as you're saying, Jamie, with with Ridley Scott producing this, of course, he'd like to wrap up the films that he was doing. And I think this is actually potentially an elegant way to do that. It is elegant, but I do think it's going to be hard to sell that if Michael Fassbender isn't involved. Like to me, that's something that will feel like confusing to people. And I think we would know if Michael Fassbender were doing a cameo in this. Maybe not. Who knows? But having David without having David there, I'm getting some shaking heads over here from Jamie. I I think it, it would be really hard to just say like, oh, he just disappeared or like he poofed on the ship. I do think, though, it could easily be the Covenant. And I think that, you know, the the indications that we get from the pieces of script that we've seen say that it's a ship in low orbit. And it's, you know, I I think it says that it's Waylon Yutani branded. um, Or is that the Holly series? I can't can't remember. That's the the Holly series. That's the Holly series. Okay. Anyway, I I think that that you could be absolutely right about this, but it would be interesting to see what they do with with David and what they would do with, you know, what happened on that ship. I also want to say, though, Christian, I'm with you. I'm with you on this idea of have the alien not be derived from the Covenant because that gets us back to the mystery and that gets us back to like maybe this does predate the events that we see in the prequels. And maybe this is actually an ancient thing that springs up time and again you know, in a Nietzschean fashion where the universe eats itself, you know, I think that could be really, really cool and would help regain that mystery. But the other thing I'll say before I um, turn it over is we got to remember that this budget is going to be different from the budget for the prequels, especially, but just from any of the other films, right? Um, This is going to, it kind of has to by virtue of I mean, we we know that it's going to get released in theaters. I don't think it's going to be a, a wide release. I don't think it's going to be like a four-day weekend thing. I think it's going to be like a limited engagement thing where you can go see it, but it's primarily a Hulu-first 
release, I think. And in my opinion, that means that we're going to see something more akin to Prey, which did a lot with a very small budget. And it did a lot with that small budget by keeping things very simple. And the idea of the Grand Guinol, you know, orgasm of violence that the Covenant would present if, you know, if it really has become that, that takes that takes budget. Not that they can't do it, but that's something else that I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of wrestling with. But I got to say, of all the theories so far, Christian, I definitely think yours is probably the one that it's going to be. But how they were to do that, I think, is something that I personally cannot envision yet, but I'm excited to see. And I also wanted to say, Derek, uh, you know, just because we're getting close-ish to the end here, I, I, I want to make sure that we take advantage of you being here because you have an enormous following on YouTube. And I'm curious what you're hearing from people, if we can talk about that for a moment. Like, you know, we know the kind of comments that we get. We get a lot of emails about this, a lot of people writing in, but you have such a scale of viewership that uh, what what kind of things are people saying? Like, what are you hearing? Well, people still definitely, there's a large faction of people who want a conclusion to the David story, which we may be able to get at least in a partial way. Um, one thing I found kind of interesting, though, on, on, on this podcast, uh, all, all this news derived uh, from, from the Joshua Izzo interview uh, about the uh, AVP anime series, but also in that episode, he gave a full kind of rundown, uh, an outline of what they were kind of planning uh, for for the next uh, Ridley Scott Alien prequel. And no one seemed to be interested in that. No one seemed to be talking about that. Uh, that wasn't running in the news cycles or anything like that. So uh, maybe it's just had its day. Uh, definitely a small portion has a desire for that. Um, you'll definitely get kind of the comment. It is YouTube, so you'll get the comments like, oh, I hope it's not woke. You know, get a lot of that. Actually, a disturbingly large amount of that. But uh, people do kind of feel hesitantly positive about where we're going on this uh, or where they seem to be going on this. And I, I see a lot of optimism. I do. But I don't know. I, it's 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 a funny thing with the alien fans. Uh, there's so many different ideas of what a perfect alien film can be. Uh, definitely a marine style film. People still want that. I mean, that's a huge. I mean, I'd be open to it, but I understand that it's it's had its moment in the sun. But uh, for for me, I mean. As long as the movie's scary, I think it'll win people over. It can have problems. It can kind of be not too eloquently woven into the overall universe. That's fine. Uh, but if you have a good movie, if it's effective, it's it's going to win people over, I think. And and the the insane thing is Alien and Aliens. Those are the only two that are truly scary and that's what i hear from everyone a lot those are the two scariest movies ever made even aliens which is more towards action which is fine uh far be it for me to to name a scarier action movie right um alien 3 not so much even with the prequels they had some great ghastly kind of uh gory horrifying type of scenes but nothing that's edge of, of your seats kind of suspense that we got so perfectly uh, with, with the original film uh that's what i have a desire for i sense that's what a lot of people have a desire for as well uh, so if it, if it achieves that uh, we could have another prey situation where it could kind of rival 
the originals. I mean, that's that's hoping for the moon, the stars, the moon, the whole solar system. But I, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to stamp my foot and say I'm very positive. I feel very good in Fede Alvarez's hands. That's what I'll say. Agreed. I don't know any, I mean, I know that Patrick has seen Across the Spider-Verse, of course, which is the sequel to, um, what is it, Into the Spider-Verse? That's the first one. And as I was watching this, I saw this film yesterday and I was blown away by it. But what I was blown away by specifically, I mean, everything was amazing, but the time that they took the beats in this film, the quietness in the story, where they had these moments where the characters are just standing on balconies for minutes at a time and you're not cutting away and they're giving it space. And one of the things I love about Alien is the time that Ridley Scott took to tell the story and the time it took for him to build that atmosphere, to build that suspense, to build that dread. And those fast cuts don't do it. They don't. Um, in these films, these uh atmospheric horror films which is kind of what the alien series is in a way that takes expertise and i really hope that um feta and his editor and the studio know that they know that building good suspense is going to take time it's going to take effort it's going to take thoughtfulness and that if this is really going to be a clunky sci, a clunky seventy sci-fi, if they're really going to take Alien as the model and they're going to pivot from it, I think the tone of Alien is going to need to reflect that to some degree. But but then you know, and I think it's it's a balancing act because we've had these discussions before where you talk to kind of maybe general fans about what they want. They want something new, but not too new. They want something different, but not too different. They want to see something they've seen before, but it also has to be different. So. Those same fans who say that also say they don't know they they don't want it to be woke and they can't explain what woke is. And we've had this discussion um, in our group in our text where you can't get more woke than the original Alien trilogy. You had a woman rise to the be, you know rise to be the leader of of this series, not because she was a woman, but because she was a great character. If they would have done today what people accuse woke, like they would like we would never have the. Ripley films they would or people would have dogged the Ripley films so much that they wouldn't have made anymore or they would have pandered so much we've gotten rise of star of of Skywalker again you know which is a film that essentially pandered to 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 the fans so heavily it had no spine um so I don't I don't know what woke really means but again I I think if you're an alien fan and you're using that term in terms of uh your 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 I don't know your fear for for Romulus. You haven't seen the alien films, or you weren't paying attention, Jamie. I've got to like think about this. Uh, not even alien. Think about aliens. It's the most clear example. <laughs> uh, engineer lady who has PTSD goes to the planet, doesn't shit herself when things go crazy, but the Marines do, and she is better at the marines than the marines doing their thing they would call that woke as shit today and i don't i i honestly can't understand that disconnect yeah the same um, people who are who are um criticizing amber what's what was her character from prey like they criticize her like oh yeah of course yeah mid thunder like they criticize her for like well she bested that you know what she didn't even know what she was doing like 
and Ripley? Like, how did she know what she was doing? How did Sarah Connor know what she like? Shut the fuck up. Like, you don't know, know. you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and in Prey, you've got a creature that like gorilla presses a fucking bear. Okay. If this creature can press a bear over its head, it doesn't matter if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger or you're, you know, fucking Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. That's a callback to Home Alone 2 earlier. Um, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what your physical strength is, man. It's like it's your cunning. It's your ingenuity. It's your ability to adapt and overcome. And also, holy shit, do you think that someone who's been living in the forest their whole goddamn life and hunting and gathering doesn't have any fucking grit? And, and, and can't solve a situation anyway sorry I, and she was also trained by yes. her tribe yes. like she was raised to train to hunt to fight to protect like all of those like uh, yeah yeah lest we forget the original predator was defeated by a log <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah i mean that's a whole nother we could go into a whole nother thing going back to just alien the entire concept, men getting impregnated and yes. giving birth. Hello, <laughs> what th there you go. And then add all the corporate greed and the uh, just, uh, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, it's every time I see that word in relation to this movie, these films, I, I, I just have to laugh, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but there's one other thing that Jamie said that I wanted to bring up. You were talking about, um, you know, you hope it's not a, a cheap seventies throwback or et cetera, et cetera. I, I think no, I, I hope it is. Okay. I see what you're saying. Possible. I see what you're saying. Um, but, uh, you were talking about the idea of suspense, right? And like slowly taking your time to get to this thing and like having these quiet moments like Fede did, uh, don't breathe. And I think. You know whether you like that film or not um i think it was it was quiet obviously Agreed. it was it was slow moving and it took its time it did a lot with sort of claustrophobic um geography of where the camera was which is something i always dial into in film whenever i see it i'm like ooh, i can understand this space so well i know how to get up the level because this person is shooting it in such a way that i can do that so I have I have some confidence uh, in, in that category too. Yeah, I think Jamie, when you said editing, I think that is so key, right? I, it it's got to be edited well. Be quick two second clip like we've got to get away from like this tiktok or whatever mentality of just give me you know two seconds because that's all i can handle it's just it's you've got to tell the story in room to breathe and i think that's just getting harder and harder to do or filmmakers are not allowed to do that as much i don't know um but yeah editing i i'm really i think it comes down to editing is one of the keys Hmm. Yes, and I am bashing TikTok because I am a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the TikTok thing, like if if the if they've done any market research, the the alien fandom skews 
like 95% male and mostly in the, you know, whatever, 28 to 25 to, to 55 year old range. So it's like, I don't know if, yeah, the breakneck TikTok editing will, is going to be the, um, like a, the winning play. So I, I, again, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I, 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 um, I heard this like phrase recently for the first time. Maybe you guys have heard it in the in the past it says like um luck is the residue of design you guys know that one i I thought that was amazing because it's it's basically about saying like set yourself up for success i feel like this movie is very much set up for success um so yeah hopefully no tiktok and the official word on the woke thing shut the fuck up (laughs) i also I also like I, I've been thinking a lot about the score. Uh, score something that's important to me. Patrick and I have, uh, and now Christian, uh, we have a Patreon series called Sublime Noise devoted to film scores. Score is really important to me. I was pretty disappointed with the score for Covenant, not because Jed Kurzel isn't brilliant, he is, but it was so derivative of Alien. There was so much of Gold, uh, Goldsmith's score in that. I was like, oh, it's not its own thing. The beauty of Alien 3 and there's a lot of beauty in that film is the score. And it was beholden to no other score. It wasn't beholden to uh, what um, Horner did for aliens. There was no callbacks to at least not like ham fisted callbacks to what Goldsmith did for alien. And it's just, it's probably in my opinion, maybe the best score in the trilogy. And I would, and I really, really hope when they approach the score for Romulus or whatever they're going to call it um, is something that is, uh, self-contained it's something that is completely new we're, we're not hearing like elements of goldsmith score again we don't need to be i i and part of that goes to trusting your audience trusting that you don't have to complete continually remind your audience that there's other films out there and by doing it with score as well and i also and and i know i'm definitely going into this with a lot of expectation um because i think again there's been a lot of failure there's been a lot of failure in in this series, but um, now that there there is a lot of hope, but and I even think more grand, granularly, granularly, whatever that word is, uh, in terms of the the trailers that they release. Like I don't want a Beastie Boys song with some Romulus trailer. Like I don't like we, you know, we don't need like some like rap song with with an alien film. And I I'm scared that they're going to do that because everyone's doing that. There's this like hip 90 song playing for every trailer that we see alien does not need that alien is its own thing and i really hope that from the ground up from from like yeah from the beginning they approach this as it's something that's self-sustained that doesn't need any outside um influence to tell the story you can tell the story without giving us a cranberry song you know (laughs) zombie or something you know jamie are you saying are you saying there's there's something in the way here (laughs) <laughs> that actually i agree with i loved that it was very good I, that's, also it's a, more of a yeah. modern story so yeah <laughs> it's gonna be it smells like teen spirit because it's a young cast watch <laughs> i just hope that the trailer doesn't give the one scary part of the movie away like i don't i mm. still don't understand what covenant was thinking or what they were thinking like giving us that whole section don't do that again Go back to Prometheus. Prometheus had some very good, very evocative trailers that didn't give us much of the plot. Um, and I think that reflected the studio having a little more faith in the in the filmmaker. So I hope we go back to that. 
My prediction is that we won't, though. My, my, my prediction is that we'll get something derivative to get people to watch it, and then we'll be surprised at how non-derivative the movie is. I'm just putting that out there as my personal prediction right now. I have to say, when I first saw the first reveal trailer for Prey, which feels like it was 10 years ago now, I, I thought it was awful. I was like, this movie looks so bad. And then I was so blown away by how great the film was, which is interesting. I, I don't know. Something about the, the trailer for that really was... Um, it felt like cheap to me for some reason. And I felt like, oh, it's going to be a TV movie, you know, but it, but it ended up being so much more than that. Um, kind of semi-unrelated, but related. I want to do a plug for a, a show called Barry, which I know, uh, I think Perry just finished um, also. It's a, it's a masterpiece that just concluded on HBO. And I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because Bill Hader directs most of the episodes for it. And the way that he does it is like unbelievably, like he's so fucking talented and so many of his shots are exactly what andy keeps talking about which is he'll set up a camera in a, in a really like disorientingly wide shot just from like 50 feet away from the action so you can see the entire frame and then just let a scene play out for like six minutes in that one frame so you're just watching all of these things happening and you're watching very complicated stuff going on but just sort of sitting there watching it happen and i find that so liberating like i love that there are scenes where a car just drives in and you see it drive from the left side of the frame to the right side of the frame. And it doesn't cut as it's coming up and the door opens and the camera's on the door. And we get like a true detective moment where the door closes and the camera closes. It's just people get out of a car and they walk and then somebody gets shot and they run over to see what happens. And it's all happening in a way that you can really absorb it. So the episodes are 30 minutes long for that, but they each one feels like a feature film to me because it feels like just such a... I just completely lose myself in the way that it's filmed and edited and paced. So I think like I would love to see that. I think Fede does that though. I, I really like, I think don't breathe is a classic example of that kind of filmmaking. It's the antithesis of it, but in being the antithesis of it, I think proves the thesis because don't breathe is a, is a study in claustrophobia, right? It's a study in an enclosed environment, but just like a couple of you have mentioned tonight, like Matt was just saying it, there's no question about what floor they're on in the house. There's no question about how long the hallway, like we understand that house intimately because we've been given quite a lot of time to understand the layout we're taken through it and he does that primarily through long takes there's a lot it's it's all steady cam filmmaking which is great because alien's got a lot of steady cam in it and it's just very slowly walking around the house and we understand what's going on and we have nice shots we have nice angles and um we're given time to understand the space that we're in my hope for this movie again is that it's not honestly the covenant is that it's not anything larger it's not beholden to any other installments in any real material way i really hope that it is just a haunted house done beautifully well and like that it, like to me and i've said this before but to me that's what i want like i don't need this to be earth-shatteringly profound i don't need to have incredible philosophical things told to me i don't need to have huge moral lessons come out of it. I just want to be scared, which I think Derek was mentioning before. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be fucking terrified by this thing. And I, and in being terrified to find truths about the human condition for myself, because I think that's why alien resonates so much. Like, sure. It's a scary movie. And at the time it was released, it was considered perhaps the scariest movie ever. It was right up there with Freakin's exorcist. Right. Um, but like, we all know the jump scares in it. We all know what's going to happen. Everybody on this call has probably seen it a combined, I don't know, 3,000 times at this point in our lives. There's no, we're not like, oh my God, what's going to happen? You know, like that element has been taken away. And in place of it are those beautiful, subtle lessons about the human condition 
and about what happens to people in times of conflict and about what drives us in the first place. And those are lessons that you can't shout at people. You have to let them discover it for themselves. It's part of why we love Blade Runner so much too. Um, although Blade Runner is a little more overt about it. But I, I think like we watch Alien for, for that. And when we play something like Alien Isolation, we get so much of that alien experience, but we don't get a ton more of that subtle undercurrent to kind of come back to emotionally and explore. Although there's emotional storytelling in it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's sort of my my thought on this movie is is I, I I still am in the haunted house in space camp and I just want to see that done. Just like just so just give me a fucking scary movie. And he does because he's a scary filmmaker, so he can do it. You know, I mean, Ridley Scott was not a horror filmmaker when he made Alien at all. He was a you know period swashbuckling filmmaker um, and a commercial guy. You know, I guess not swashbuckling, but there was fencing in that movie. Uh, you know, there's uh, James Cameron was not a, he was kind of a horror filmmaker, and but he was a B movie horror filmmaker. You know, <clears throat> uh, Terminator barely qualifying as a as a, I'm just kidding. It's a great movie. Uh, you know, and David Fincher likewise. He was just a music video director. So, so I'm saying this to say we actually have something unique right now, and that we have an actual long established horror filmmaker making an alien horror movie. Mm. That's a really exciting place to be in. He knows how to get audiences freaked out. Um, that bodes really well, I think. Is anybody else um, slightly less <laughs> worried about what happens with Romulus because there's something else already uh, coming with the Noah Hawley series? Is anyone a little bit like, even if this mm -hmm. blows, I can, there's still something else for sure coming. Anyone? Uh, Definitely. Yeah. A slight, a slight cushion. Well, the, the Holly series is so distant, like, and with all the strikes happening, like, I'm nervous that it's not going to even start shooting when they say, which is September. I would imagine the strikes will be done at that point, but I don't know. Like, the Holly series has been talked about, like, like it's mythology for like four years, three years, something like that. So I don't. I'm excited about it, but I, I'm also kind of like, are you really doing this? You've been talking about doing this for a long time. You keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And now you've pushed it so far that there's strikes involved and it might be pushed like the alien, the Blade Runner series. The shooting looks like has been pushed a year until next, next March, which is a long time because of the strikes and that yeah. shooting in Belfast. So I don't, my sites are really kind of firmly set on the Fede film, just because I know we are going to get that. And the I, I don't, I'm not as excited about the Holly show. Uh, not because I'm, I'm not excited about it, but because I just don't, is it even going to, are they going to start filming it? Will, will it happen? I don't know. And until they really start shooting, then I'll get excited. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention as well, just a specific word as we talk, as we kind of maybe perhaps come to the end of this, but wonder and the wonder in alien and despite the, the horror aspects, the terror, the scary moments, there's so much wonder in that film. And you have these characters in this in these sets um, that are, you know, pint size essentially compared to what they're exploring. And that the beauty of that sci-fi. And the only other film that I know that really captures that wonder is 2001 in terms of discovering something bigger than yourself that's terrifying because you don't know what you're looking at. I think part of the what's terrifying about the alien and Patrick and I have had this discussion many times is you you look at it and you don't know what you're seeing and it looks a little bit familiar because part of it's kind of us a little bit but much of it isn't us and so it would be great to see that sense of wonder brought back into Romulus however way, way that they can do it because that's part of the beauty of alien is just those sets just that that 
in the quiet music as they're walking in the in the terrain going to the derelict like i don't i don't know other film like it and it would be great to kind of have that brought back in whatever way they can bring it back i just hope that it doesn't have to do any heavy lifting either for wrapping up the prequel trilogy or for setting up you know the the space in between alien and aliens i just and maybe we've spent too much time already talking about or obsessing about the idea that because it's between those films, it has to bridge those films. And instead it simply exists in this time. I agree with Patrick. I want a haunted house, but I, it's like when I went to see uh, the second black Panther movie, I really wanted it to simply be a black Panther story. I didn't need it to introduce the next phase of Marvel characters and have a, you know, an end credit sequence that's tied into the next thing. I, that seems to be the way that a lot of films are made now. Everything is setting up the rest of this franchise. And I don't need this film to do that. I'd kind of like it to just be um, a beautiful, contained horror story. And you're, you're right, Patrick. Fede may be the most um, seasoned horror director to ever take on this job. And that's and, and, and successful at what he does. And it's wonderful to look at his evil dead and then look at his don't breathe and see the distance between those two. They're not cookie cutter. They're not following the same pattern. Um, he tried very different things. He flexed different muscles. And so how amazing would it be if the third one isn't even just taking a little bit of each of those, but actually showing a whole new side to what he's capable of. So that's, that's really my hope. And I guess we should probably wrap this up. Um, I'd like to kind of, give the floor to Derek um do you have any like like kind of parting thoughts or like what do you what are, what are your hopes um for what based on what you know for this next alien film I know very little I haven't even seen these auditions which seem to be interesting uh I would have really liked Daniel Trachtenberg's prey approach where we didn't even know it was coming. Uh, I think the less trailers, the less exposure, the better. I like having a little bit of surprise, especially this day and age. Um, it could be something very special, this film, or it, you know, it could be something episodic, could be something that just kind of stables the waters, which is fine. Um, but you always want to hope for the best of the best. You always want to hope for something that rivals those first two. We haven't had something even close since the second film. And, you know, what you say about the, the sense of wonder is, is very true. Can an audience this day and age, can we look at uh, the, the corridors of a spaceship with the same sense of awe that we did in the original 79 film? I don't know. Uh, we always kind of cross our arms with a show me attitude when it comes to these types of movies. But uh, if, if, if the atmosphere is right, if if the tone is right, if the acting is right, it's, it is it is a balancing act. And I, I feel in the previous work that Alvarez has done, uh, Don't Breathe, uh, Matt mentioned, it was, it was, I thought it was an excellent film. And I, I thought it did actually tap into something just a little bit deeper with without being too obvious about it. I think when we get into the whole conversation about people complaining about woke this, woke that, uh, there's 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 a problem with it with being, I guess, too explicit. Alien isn't very obvious 
in a lot of ways. There's the, you know, uh, Hollywood paranoid era, post Nixon distrust of everything uh, going on in Alien, which, I mean, someone can watch that. Someone can watch Alien. Someone can watch Planet of the Apes and think it's just a, a crazy movie with some apes running the world and there's no social commentary whatsoever. Uh, so I, I do ultimately think that that's the the most clever approach to it and in seeing that alvarez has kind of had experience with that and, and with kind of a uh a class shift in in don't breathe which i thought was very interesting and not to mention he's <laughs> he he's proven himself exceptionally well with uh giving us uh a lead usually is was, was the female lead uh, Jane Levy in both uh, Evil Dead and Don't Breathe, and and just putting them through hell, and and there's something great about that in first meeting this character, getting to know them, like them, appreciate them, uh, putting them through these circumstances, and coming out, coming out to the light at the end. It's a very cathartic experience. So I, I think he's proven all of that well. But there's something in the soul of these movies that it's it's difficult to tap into and you can tell when there's not so much of a a soul to these movies where it's very by the numbers very you know let's put a little reference here let's not uh for all the fault faults of uh prometheus which quite frankly in, in in my personal opinion i don't find too many uh but that's just me uh scott approached it in a way he he was a true believer true believer in magnificent awe-inspiring sci-fi with these great images this massive ship this incredible technology this uh alien architecture i i i was blown away first seeing the film and i still appreciate it to this day we won't have something as hugely budgeted uh with alvarez but I, I do definitely want that sense of wonder and I, and I want that heart and that soul. And we're, we're kind of at the, uh, the calm before the storm. I think we're going to see more and I think it might come faster than maybe we even are anticipating. Like we already feel like prey was 10 years away. So I, I, I want to savor this moment and not knowing and being unsure. Cause I think once we say get a first uh, trailer, a lot of people are going to be making up their minds already from that. So True. here we are. Here we are, guys. We are in that moment that we will look back on in two years and think, wow, we sound like a bunch of idiots on this podcast. <laughs> I, mean, I think that every time we record anyway. But um, So this is obviously not the last time we're going to talk about this. This is something that we will be returning to quite a bit in the months to come. I personally think that Derek is absolutely right. And honestly, the writer's strike is for me is the biggest accelerant for this movie because it was written before that happened. And so I think that now there's going to be kind of a vacuum of content again, a little bit like we saw post COVID. And I think that this might get bumped up and get, you know, fast tracked. So I could see this coming out at the end of the year easily this year. Um, I think that's an exciting place to be. And like we are, as Derek beautifully said, we are in the calm before the storm right now. And we should really savor it. And all of you listening out there, you know, you're in it with us. We're all in this together. And and as a fandom, it's a scary thing to have a new movie come out, you know. 
I mean, we all went through covenant together and remember how contentious that time period was. And, um, but also how, you know, how much life we got out of that. I mean, like the, the friendships that we forged during that, that survived are some of the truest and deepest friendships we've got, you know, I mean, co- without covenant I, for, for whatever it's worth, I probably wouldn't be on the show right now, you know? Um, so, th- so all that is to say, we, we get the chance now to go through this together in real time as a fandom, as a podcast, uh, you know, as an alien theory, YouTube subscriber, there's, there's a lot of excitement going on. And, uh, this is a conversation we will come back to frequently. So thank you everybody for being here tonight. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for listening. And Jamie, anything else you want to add to that? No, I just wanted to thank you, Derek, for coming on the show. Um, if anyone is interested in alien theory, they have a YouTube channel, which is colossal. They did some, uh, uh, you did uh, some great coverage recently, but all of your your content and your coverage has been awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, if there's anything that you want to plug, please feel free. Also, Matt, thank you, Matt, for coming on the show as well. This is like the second time in like three weeks or so. So uh, we're always excited to have you on the show. So thank you. Anytime, baby. Thank you so much. This is this has been great. You'll have me back, right? Please. Of course. Uh, well, thank you. That's great. That's great. We this have is, to meet our candidates so for us, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs>